Welcome everybody, my name is Alexander Greb, I am the Customer Advisory Lead S4HANA Strategy at SAP and you are listening to the SAP Experts Podcast. With the global economy dumping down the same rate that Corona infections rise, it's not very easy to get a clear picture of the situation. Neither for us individuals, nor for enterprises who are struggling to cope with the challenges and build resilience. When taking a look into media, you will find many opinions about the situation. They are ranging from we are all doomed to we are getting out of this with a black eye. So it is a good idea to take a look into the reality of SAP customers, how they are doing at this moment right now. And since it's a very good idea at the moment to listen to experts, I'm blessed to be able to talk to Mr. Jeff Scott, the Chief Executive Officer of America's SAP Users Group. He's conducting an inquiry each week, asking the six-digit number of NASAP users about their situation and how they approach their journey through this crisis. So let's do a pulse check with Jeff Scott on this episode of the SAP Experts Podcast. Hi, Jeff. Alex, good afternoon, good evening, uh, good morning, depending on when this is being listened to. How are you? It's... Um a little bit late evening, but um, you have beautiful daylight, at least on your side. I do. I'm uh, talking to you from Chicago, Illinois, about the middle of the uh, United States. It is blue sky, sunny out still. It's about two o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, uh, unfortunately, a little bit of snow falling just a few minutes ago. So uh, it's still still a little bit chillier than I'd like it to be. So it's not yet weather where you can be outside all day. Unfortunately, I have to tell you, in the last four days, I got a little bit sunburned. From <laughs> I'd like to be a little bit sunburned right now, Alex. <laughs> I would, uh, I would really appreciate that. Um, we had some nicer weather over the ho- over the weekend, um, and then it turned cold again. So, um, you know, given everything we've got going on globally, maybe that's okay right now. Um, maybe you know, uh, really warm weather where people get pulled outside. Maybe that's not such a good thing. I don't know. Um, all I know is that, uh, like many of us, we're all working long yeah. hours, and uh, you know, trying so to I keep the lights on. Trying to keep the lights on. Some, dis- you know, uh, minimization of distractions is probably okay. When I would ask you how your last three weeks have been, personally, and oh goodness, yeah, uh, you know, um, we have uh, an 18 year old and a 20 year old. So uh, here in the U.S., my 18 year old is a senior in high school. So. She has uh, adapted to uh, no prom this year. So for you know, folks oh. in you know, in some some areas, a, a big dance, a big celebration. It's a big thing right? for you. Yeah, it's a big thing. You know, for North American you know kids, and it's a big rite of passage to go to a prom as you you know finish up your senior year. So that's been canceled, and I think that's true for many seniors in high school here in North America, right? So they'll they'll remember this time as the year where graduation ceremonies were postponed or canceled. I heard uh, a friend say that their graduation ceremony as they leave high school and move on to university and college, that uh, they're going to hand out their diplomas while people line up in their cars. Yeah. So, you know, uh, this is very, a very different world. So, you know, my kids are, are, are adjusting. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky I don't have, young ones at home. So we're not having to balance homeschooling plus professional jobs and, and those types of things. So I, 
I feel lucky there. I can't imagine, you know, winding the clock back 10, 10 years and having young ones at home. Uh, you do though. Um, and, uh, you know, so personally, I think everyone's doing well. We're adjusting like everyone else. It's been three weeks of everyone being home together. And, you know, you learn, you learn how to work and live in a house that is normally been mostly for living. Right. So, but we've learned how to, how to work in different, you know, different areas of the house and uh, professionally it's, it's been very different. I'm used to going into the office. I like collaborating and being face to face with people. Uh, we've, as a team, we've done a wonderful job of adapting to Microsoft Teams. We use that, we use Zoom. Um, so the, the team has been fantastic in being adaptive to a very different set of, of circumstances. And I think, you know, we're kind of cresting this hill of, you know, apprehension, right? I think the, the, the level of apprehension we've peaked. And now people are starting to hear stories about how do we restart our economies, how do we go back to work? When do we go back to work? And, you know, that seems to be taking the, you know, the, the most energy from my leadership team right now. How do we restart all of this? And yeah. when do people go back? How do we go back? And I think that's both optimistic and, and I like that feeling of optimism. Um, and at the same time, you know, um, there are no scripts for this. So we've never done this before. So how do you manage risk? So that's, that's been a learning experience. And I think like you and most of the people that are listening today, everything is revolving around, you know, video conferencing of yeah. one way, you know, shape or another. And depending on the day, I could be in and out of four different video conferencing applications, right? Between Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, Skype, and probably a few others on the side. And it kills your audio settings every time you change. Every single time, right? You start up, you start up an app and you know, the, the microphone is wrong or the headphones are the wrong headphones. Yeah. And you've, you've now learned how to give people different, different facial and, and expressions, right? So yeah. you, know, you tug on your ears if you can't hear them or you go like this, exactly. you know, I'm, of course I'm seeing you on a zoom. So, you know, our, our audience isn't, but you learn how to use all these, these different things, you know, to, to, and it's funny to watch people are now adjusting to saying, sorry, I was on mute. I'm coming back. So we, we've learned a brand new, uh, you know, very quickly, we've learned a whole new different etiquette that we've never really had to use before. So I think our, our friends who work from home on a regular basis are probably now laughing about how the rest of us have had to adapt and, and are probably very hopeful that when we do ultimately go back to our, our physical workspaces that we remember them and remember how they see us every day. Since you are the head of the American SAP user group, what, what I think, which is remarkable, you have a very, very well done, very beautiful pulse check running, which mm. if I am right, it's um, running each day or each week. I think uh, we run that every week. Yeah. We send exactly. out an email to the membership every Friday. We collect the results. Uh, we tabulate it on Tuesday, Wednesday. We cut a video about it on Wednesday night. And I think we release the results on Thursday, Thursday morning. So it's uh, the team has done a tremendous job. Absolutely. What, what you bring together there are, in my opinion, one of the, the, the best comprehensive and, and relevant information about operations and response strategy, effect on initiatives uh, in the not only SAP world, but also, let's say, generally in the business world. If you would push together 
concerning the actual situation of ASUG members, concerning operations and response strategies and effect on their initiatives. Would you say that there's something like common status or would you say like um, we have a huge range from A to C? I think you see a lot of common themes pop out and, you know, they've actually settled down over the weeks as to where those themes are. So, you know, our takeaway is every single industry is being impacted in one way, shape or form. Now, how they feel that impact might be slightly different, but they are in fact feeling an impact. Um, you know, some of the statistics we see is, is a small percentage of Industries and, and member companies are operating at above normal levels. So about 12% um, of our respondents from last week's survey were operating at above normal levels. That has slowly tapered down week to week. So it's down about seven points from where we were at uh, when we did this in week one. Uh, you know, the, the probably the best example of that would be, you know, those SAP customers and ASUG members who are involved in, in food production in some way, shape or form. But even, even this, this week, we're starting to see here in North America, you know, some incidents where that is even coming under strain. So there are two major food producers who are, are also SAP customers. One had to shut a major production facility uh, due to an outbreak of COVID-19 and a second one had to do the same. So I think, you know, uh, we will see impacts to them as well. Uh, you know, a third one that I was speaking to has seen record level production in March, which mm -hmm. is impacting them differently, right? And, you know, so instead of seeing their production levels fall precipitously, they're seeing a massive, a massive rise at a time when plant staffing and social distancing and how do you, and for those who are familiar with the food industry, and I spend many years in it, you know, those food production facilities people work fairly close to one another. So the social distancing, you know, in the production plan, I think for most manufacturers, social distancing is a very hard thing to, to do because the plants are timed and distances are timed. And so we're seeing, we're seeing tremendous, you know, upheaval in those places. About 46% are operating normally. Mm -hmm. um, now what normal means, you know, you, to you and I, anyone's guess. And then 38%, I think the most important, right? 38% are, are operating below normal levels. And, you know, we do the, the uh, ASUG as an organization is got a, a 13 member board of directors and each of those are C-level, you know, C-level executives. And when we get together on conference calls and video chats, every single one of them talks about where they've been disrupted and impacted. And each yeah. of them have a story to tell. There, there is this comparison. I, I usually do not like this war comparison concerning um, COVID-19 because it's not nations being against nations, but we are all on the same boat here. Um, but still, there, there is this word from, I think, the Second World War, which uh, describes the change of economy during that time very well. It's called the big retooling, like when mm. companies had to very rapidly change their, the way they work, the way they act. You could call it the business model too. Maybe it's not really suitable to call it that way. But after this, they did not come back 
to the former business model because it was not possible. The world has changed so much. New methods, new tools had to be adapted. Um, there was a new normal after this. Um, do you think we will be in the same situation where we will not go back to normal, but go back to a new normal from your perspective? Absolutely, Alex. I, I think I don't know what that new normal is. I wish I had a crystal ball and I could tell you that. Um, it's interesting when we draw parallels to larger wars. And I think those parallels are appropriate with one really big difference. And that is the timelines are different, right? So this is something between you know, what happened on 9-11 and then what happened in large wars. And the, the difference is in large wars, they take place over years and not weeks or months. So, and I certainly hope that what we're experiencing isn't taking place over months or quarters uh, because that would have a far different economic impact. But, you know, if you go back to the second world war or the first world war, and by no means am I going to pretend to be a history of, of war, But, you know, you had factories retool to do wartime manufacture, right? Guns, tanks, those types of things. We haven't even had time as a society to even do any of that. I mean, you know, we, we're seeing some conversion to personal protective equipment or PPE. We're seeing some, you know, some factories make, you know, ventilators. Um, but, You know, we just haven't, you know, if you think about this, we're in week four, or week five yeah. of this. Now, depending on where you want to start the timeline, right? There's some who believe that, you know, this, and I'm, I'm also not an epidemiologist, but some people believe that this, you know, came in in November, but really didn't here in North America, didn't really hit until December, January, February. So wherever you want to pick your timeline, what's been interesting about this is how much it's taken us to react, respond. And it's really, you know, just about now within the last week or so that I've started to see clarity about yeah. how to get, how to move forward. So, but I do believe you're right. I think there is a new, some sort of new normal, right? That this is such a massive shock to our economic systems, our social systems. There's no way to believe that we're just going to pick up and, and carry on like nothing ever happened, right? I mean, you know, none of us really fully embrace or understand what restart looks like. You know, when are we willing to get on an airplane? Yeah. Um, how will we feel? How will yeah. we feel about it, right? And that first time is probably going to feel really weird, right? And I think that those airplane flights will be smaller in duration until people regain their safety again. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine, you know, I mean, like you and I, you know, I, I spend... I'm probably in Germany four, five, six times a year. Right now, the way I feel right now, um, you know, when do I think I will get on a plane and fly to Germany? I still think that there are months remaining till I'm ready to do that. If you said to me the day after we, we lift whatever restrictions we have, you know, jump on a plane and fly to Germany, I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. Um, You know, uh, you asked personally uh, uh, at the beginning of our talk today, we have a family trip planned uh, or had it planned to Italy uh, last week of June, first week of July. I'm, um, I don't know if we're going, yeah. right? And I want to go and help that economy restart. Do I want to be that, that far away from home? I don't know. 
Yeah. So I think, you know, that's the new normal, right? And does that new normal last a quarter, a half a year? Where does that come back into, into focus again? And I don't, I don't have an answer for that, right? Um, but I don't think it's measured in weeks. And then you're doing, putting on some, some great points here because I think more or less the clarity comes a bit when everybody sees this as a personal story. Because when you remember back, um, I'm I'm not old enough to have experienced the Great Wars, but I'm unfortunately already old enough to experience both the financial crisis in 2008 as well as 9-11. And yeah. um, I remember I was, um, I think it was just like six or eight weeks after 9-11, I had to fly to the U.S., I think it was just like the planes were going for a short time again. And I think nobody slept on this plane, on this flight, because everybody yeah. was feeling different. And I think a lot of things like that are happening now um, again or will be happening now again. On the other hand, this can, since there is a been, since a bit of a been there, done there, it can give us guidance on, on what to do now. Because when we remember back, like for example, in 2008, and when you remember what, what kind of strategies and things helped companies through the crisis, yeah, it was like having liquidity, knowing where the assets are and so on and so on. These capabilities, they're the same capabilities which are helpful now. So the same things yeah. which were right in 2008 And I'm, I know I'm, I'm contradicting myself a little bit to what I said like 10 minutes before, but in a certain way, the same things that were helpful 2008 will be helpful again now. Um, do you think based on this um, initiatives like digitalization and so on will get a bigger momentum when the dust has settled? Yeah, I think, you know, and it, it, it's always interesting to think through how do you want to define digitalization, right? And I think we've seen a massive shift in the last three, four weeks. Um, you know, many of my CIO level friends have had to move massive amounts of infrastructure in a very short period of time, you know, as, as their offices were shut down, you know, and, and for many of them, strangely enough, their, their SAP parts of their infrastructure were where they were least worried. Um, what were they worried about? All those other legacy applications that had never been moved, had never been tested at scale from outside the corporate firewalls that now all of a sudden needed to be accessible. Yeah. What do you do with all of your customer service representatives who are using very tightly tuned tools? that now need to be you know, equipped on a laptop. Um, and maybe they were never structured to be that way. Um, where are all those you know, older style, creaky, cranky applications that are in everyone's portfolio? Yeah. How do you move those out you know, and make them virtual? And I think you know, when we first started as ASUG asking people questions about, and, and very early on, We went out to our executive community and said, hey, we'd like to get you on phone calls, six or eight of you at a time, to talk about where things are. And there was a huge interest in those conversations. Then they ended up not being about, you know, SAP. They ended up being about, you know, what are you doing about virtualization? 
What are you doing about hyperscalers? What are you doing about getting your applications moved? So I would say kudos to SAP um, and, you know, and the customer community for really making that application infrastructure scalable, tunable, and accessible externally because so many others aren't. And that's where the trouble spots have been for most. But, you know, the good news is most have moved on and have got that stuff um, moving now the next wave hits for many customers, which is this wave of, um, you know, here in North America of potential furloughs, potential layoffs, and those types of things. And that's the next wave that's really hitting the technology community. As, as companies manage and think about cash and think about conserving cash and liquidity, you know, ultimately this becomes conversations about, you know, what do we do with our human resource assets? And, um, you know, that is really where this goes next. And I think that is going to be the next shockwave that's felt over the coming weeks. Um, and hopefully, again, the sooner that we figure out how to get onto the other side of this horrific global pandemic and restart our economies, then those people can come back. But I think, you know, back to your question about new normal, the other trend that I think is going to be interesting to watch is many of our customers. Um, have been rapidly offshoring and outsourcing capabilities over the years. And when they go and look at cash conservation strategies, budget cuts, those type of things, the first place they look is to those types of services. And so I think what we may see is a contraction of those services, which will then come back and put more pressure on the internal resources to get that productive work done. So I want to come back to your, your, your analogy earlier about the world wars and the rapid retooling of, you know, of factories. I'm going to think about this slightly different. Let's talk about the rapid retooling of our human capital. Um, you know, uh, the, the idea that our application architects, our project managers, those folks who have been involved in higher level really important skills may need to step in and do skills that they haven't done in quite some time. So, you know, here in the SAP ecosystem, how many are going to relearn how to be basis administrators? How many are going to relearn how to be configurers, FICO configurators, SD, are going to learn how to do tools that maybe we had outsourced over the years? So maybe that's another way to think about your analogy from earlier, that uh, the, great, the great shift will be all of us becoming a little bit more hands-on in the months and quarters to come. Maybe that, and maybe also the vice versa, when stra people who became strategists now have to become hands-on again. Could yeah. it also be that at the same time, IT has to become more of a strategic part again than it was in the last time when you had sometimes the feeling that technology for example innovation was was something for technology and you know innovation's sake and now you again have the mindset of technology as first necess necessity to survive yeah. yeah i think you're alex i think you're 100 right uh Innovation takes on a much different tone when it's uh, innovation because your back is against the wall, right? Yeah. Versus, you know, I need to innovate because my competitors, 
they seem to be doing this or that, yeah. and I need to be keeping pace with them. But now you're looking at innovation to say, I need this innovation in order to survive. Um, I need you to be able to make master data changes to our SAP landscape, not in weeks, but in days. Um, you know, and I think this is one of the things that we are going to see over the coming weeks is a real testing of, you know, our, our ability to move our organizations forward very quickly. And, you know, that analogy, turn on a dime, right? And most do not implement SAP as a solution to allow your organizations to be hyper innovative and kind of make it up as you go. If you're a make it up as you go culture, and I've worked, I've worked in, in an organization which did that, make it up as you go, right? Yeah. Today, we're going to move left, tomorrow we'll move right, uh, the next day after we'll move up. And we would never really have that structure. Tremendously entrepreneurial company, also running SAP. And those two things at times could be in conflict because the, the beauty of, of SAP is its ability to enforce process. Yeah. Right. And unfortunately, at times, process and innovation can be in conflict. And I think what we're going to learn and what we're going to find out over the coming weeks and months is how to make those two work side by side, because you're going to need to be able to be, you know, both mindful of your processes and innovative with your back against the wall at the same time. Since you're already putting together a lot of things and of course when we look like in the future none of the, us both has a glass bowl um, but probably what we can say already is um, what kind of learnings do we have now from the last four weeks when we put together what do those share who are better prepared now And I'm not talking like about different industries, because of course there are industries now who are struggling more like, for example, um, or the air carriers and something like this, uh, because they have to ground their planes and no other incomes. But within the industries, um, are there common things those share who are better off or seems to go easier through this crisis than others? What are the important things now to be able to do? important capabilities. Yeah, I think that um, the way that we see this at ASUG is some of your front end, you know, resources, capabilities are going to be the most pressed. Marketing, sales, product, and then that's going to trickle into manufacturing, right, or services. You know, how do you as an organization really pivot How do you pivot in a way that enables you to recapture market share, restart sales, make sure that people want to buy your products? And a lot of that is going to start with your ability to do marketing. Uh, you know, at ASUG, uh, one of the, the joys of the role I have is moving from a, being a CIO to a CEO means I get to now... Um, work in areas that as a CIO, I didn't, such as marketing and sales and, and listen to them. And, you know, the marketing organizations today have a massive, massive challenge in front of them. How do you re-engage audiences at a time when, if you're not very careful, you will look to be tone deaf and out of touch, but you need to re-engage those audiences because you need your products to be purchased 
so that the economy restarts. So how do you balance that horrible, you know, dichotomy between I don't want to look like I'm pushing product, but at the same time, we need people to start buying. And, you know, I think this is where we as a society are going to have to figure this out because the, you know, I'm sure my family, certainly we have gone and said, we don't understand the world in front of us. So we're going to conserve cash. We're not going to spend on things that, you know, we consider to be frivolous. And I think everyone else is doing the same. Companies are doing the same, but at some point we have to kind of let those purse strings go a little bit, or we will never restart this economy. So I think, you know, as organizations pivot, the ability to understand and react very quickly to changing sentiment. I mean, how often now, I mean, you know, I was, I was watching the news this morning, you watch commercials and how often now do you watch these commercials on television and go, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, not I don't like, yeah, yeah no, that's not really, that's not the right thing to say yeah. right now. Um, but you know, they made those commercials months ago. Um, so, and then, you know, but that sentiment is, is shifting very fast. And I think that's, that's both a, a boon and a curse of the world we live in now. This digitization, this digitized world is information sentiment moves very quickly and it moves at global scale. When we look at the way um, that organizations like, for example, the DSAG or the ASAP and so on, um, formulate their demands from SAP. I think there was something like a common tone in the last, let's call it one and a half years. Um, what will be, let's say, things you need? What will be your demand from technology providers like SAP following this crisis? Will it be I different think, things? I, I think it will be different things, but you know, in the same breath, it, it's interesting to see how small changes in technology are bringing great reward. So my, um, my example will be Qualtrics, you know, and uh, the, the pulse checks that we send out are being done through Qualtrics. So shameless plug on an SAP product line. Um, but at the same time, you know, we do internally, we do a weekly ASUG employee pulse check. So we do two, we do one out to customers and we do one internally. And, you know, we employ, you know, roughly about a hundred people and we want to check on them every week. So, you know, if you'd asked me eight weeks ago, would I do a weekly pulse survey of our employees? And I would be hard pressed to say yes. Now we do it. And the data that we get is really good. And um, for those who aren't, I, I think Qualtrics has made that offering available free of charge to any company that wants to do it. And I think you should look at that. I think companies should look at that. So it's an interesting question, Alex, you ask. In some ways, like the Qualtrics pieces bring tremendous value. But I think where we will struggle in the short term is with the larger, more capital intensive projects. Right. So if you're going to want to propose a project, might be very important that is going to take months to achieve and, you know, millions of dollars or Deutschmarks or whatever your currency of preference is, that's going to be a hard sell in the short term, short to medium term. So how do you find nuggets of efficiency and improvement using potentially tools you already have? or slivers of tools you may need. 
I think that's where we will see people have a far greater interest. If you can help me get something done in the next week or the next two weeks or the next three weeks, I'm interested. Um, I think that will bear a tremendous amount of, of opportunity. So my challenge to SAP and the rest of the technology community out there that provides these solutions, how can you carve them up into much more digestible chunks that allow customers to adopt them in different ways? You know, that idea of I've got to move everything in one fell swoop is probably not palatable over the next, you know, pick, pick a timeline, six yeah. months to a year. Um, you know, which is why I think the best thing we can do as ASUG um, or DSAG to help our customer base is give them those practical shorter term three, six, nine months opportunities. You know, I think that's where it's going to be. You you started an interesting sentence. I, I absolutely do not want to stop. Um, where's <laughs> now? I want to run away from it. Now I'm concerned about what I said. I'm going to run away. Where see you your role? then within the next six to 12 months. Um, when we talk about uh, the role of ASAC into the direction of SAP, we also have, of course, to talk about the role of ASAC into the direction of its members. I, I think our direction is in two ways. One, it's to help organizations understand this new normal that you and I have been talking about and how best to you know, understand it, leverage it, learn from it over the next you know, year or so. And then secondly, to help the people behind the organizations be successful. I'm looking at a quote that came up through uh, last week's Pulse Check, and I'll read it to you, Alex. Um, As a working mother with a family, working from home is a challenge due to distractions and trying to have a full productive day. My husband is an SAP consultant. My new role is an SAP S4HANA transition and readiness consultant. We are both trying to learn SAP S4HANA. The free resources do not provide all, and we are not in any position to purchase anything. I am trying to get all from OpenSAP, books, and the web. Overall, we're doing our best. And I think when I think about people, and what I think is tremendous about ASUG is not only do we represent well over 3,000 member organizations, we represent 135,000 members of this SAP ecosystem. So I view that our job and our role is not only to help those 3,000 member companies survive and thrive, it's the employees and the contractors and the consultants behind them as well. So that's where I think we look at over the next you know, period of time is how do we help those people, those organizations succeed? And that actually from my point of view, is really energizing. Now, finally, let's do a look into the glass bowl. Uh, okay, here we, we go. <laughs> when we will hopefully meet in autumn, for example, when we are. I'd like to do that, yeah. When we are there. Although you look great, you look again. great over Zoom, <laughs> you know. So what happens if we meet and we're like, you don't look as good, you, you know, in you, person. You will, be, you will be probably displeased. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, let's but let's assume the best when 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 we'll yeah. meet and uh, we will do something like a follow up about this. Um, what will be the topics that we will be talking about? I think the topics we'll be talking about is how organizations have learned. I mean, I love to hear stories from 
customers and member companies and people about what did you learn personally? What did you learn professionally? What was the thing that most surprised you about the journey you've been on over the past six months from the time that COVID first appeared to you went through this retching, you know, change personally, professionally, and then coming out the other side, I think, you know, and, and you pointed this out earlier, I think there's going to be a tremendous amount of innovation that happens, surprising things, things that we didn't expect to hear about. And I think that, you know, necessity, isn't there, a, there I think there's a, there's a saying that necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think this is going to be fantastic to listen to and watch. Um, you know, all the creativity that is going to happen because people are learning how to do different things and figuring out how to scrape by. Uh, and I'm excited to unlock those stories and share those stories. And I think ASUG is a perfect vehicle to share all that learning and, and what people are doing. And what's become clear to me is this digital world we live in. It's a lot simpler to do that than you think it is. You and I are, are talking over a Zoom call, which will then be published into a podcast. We're doing more video interviews in ASUG than we ever have in the past. And candidly, you know, prior to COVID, we probably wouldn't have even thought about them, right? But now we're doing them and we're, you know, we're, we're doing all sorts of virtual work that we never would have done before because we didn't have to. But now that we can't do face-to-face events for obvious reasons, we have to be resourceful. And I'm excited to see how other members of our community take on that challenge. How do our oil and gas companies who are feeling immense pain right now with the collapse of global oil prices, how do they innovate? How do our manufacturers innovate? Our pharmaceutical companies, you know, how do they drive speed and agility? Um, you know, I mean, we, you and I could go down the line through every single industry segment, you know, uh, consumer products, Right. Um, how are they going to deal with rebuilding, you know, themselves, you know, if you happen to make, you know, um, face wipes or sanitize, you know, sanitary things, right? I mean, all these companies are, are going to need to think through very different realities. And I'm excited to learn the stories about how did they take all these software investments that they've made over the years? And how did they learn to take these tune these and turn them into something really great and wonderful? And that's the stories. I, I hope when we come back together again in, in 2021 in Orlando for Sapphire Now and ASIC Annual Conference, those are the stories that I want to tell. Those are where I think we want to celebrate. It was so disappointing to me and we, for obvious reasons to, you know, to not be able to do Sapphire Now and ASIC Annual Conference this year. But I'm excited about next year and, and all of us coming together, um, hopefully feeling safe enough to give each other a hug. Um, welcome each other back and talk about, you know, um, what we learned. I mean, there's those great, coming back to where you and I started this morning, those great pictures. And like you, I was not around for, uh, for, the, for the wars, but, you know, of the ticker tape parades as the soldiers came back home, right? I hope we have something like that. You know, that, you know, that we're able to kind of exit from shelter in place. And for those who, you know, have to go out still every day and do jobs, because, you know, many of us are sheltering in place, but there's still a large percentage of, 
of us who are still have to go to the, you know, still have to go and do something every day, you know, who have to go into factories or have to, you know, deliver goods, right? You know, those people are, you know, our healthcare professionals, you know, what a round of applause they deserve for what they have uh, done for all of us, you know, over the, these past weeks. And I, I just can't wait to celebrate all of that. So, and I hope that's sooner rather than later. Um, I really hope that, you know, by the time we get to July and August, that, that this is in our rear view mirror. It may not be completely in our rear view mirror, um, you know, but I'm hoping it is right. And I'm hoping, you know, there's not that, you know, that, that, that telltale, you know, logo at the bottom of the mirror that says objects, objects in this mirror yeah. may appear closer than, so than, than yeah. yeah, than they are. I hope that's not the case. I, I'm hoping we're moving forward. So I'm very optimistic. And I, I think we have a lot to be proud of. We as a technology community have done a lot of really great work over these past years, making our organizations prepared for this. And I think the fact that, you know, we did not see a meltdown in the global internet. Can you imagine if that had happened? Um, we're able to do these video conferences. We're able to connect with one another in ways we never have before. We're able to get work done. I think these, these are huge areas of kudos and congratulations. Thank you for this positive outlook. Oh, you're welcome, Alex. Great to talk to you. <laughs> same, same to you, same to you. The last question, of course, is um, since I'm sure that lots of the listeners also think like that, um, when they want to follow you, where can they do that best? Oh, uh, so where can they follow me? Uh, Twitter, at uh, gscott16, um, you know, is my Twitter handle. Uh, obviously, follow asug365, which is our asug handle. LinkedIn is uh, gscott16. Um, so I've, uh, you know, back when, when the, when the world was young and I was much younger, G Scott 16 was my handle. So, um, you know, you can find me on almost all social media with G Scott 16. And, you know, that is a, a harken back to, for those who've been around long, a long time, uh, my old, if anyone's familiar with the old mainframe email system called profs. Mm -hmm. If, uh, you know, on the IBM side, that was my old profs handle was G Scott 16. So, um, I've just kind of kept it going from them. So that's how people can find me or, or send me an email, jeff.scott at asug.com. Happy to help anyone in the SAP community with anything they need. Perfect. Jeff, Great thanks to see a lot you. for this and, um, stay healthy. Take care. You too, my friend, stay healthy. Thanks. Thanks.